Well, we've been looking at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. The apostolic prayers are such powerful prayers, and I trust that as we have been in this series, that we've been praying these prayers, not just reading them, not just hearing messages about them, but that we have been praying them with all the sincerity of our hearts. Because when we pray the, the word of God, we can have the assurance that God is hearing and answering those prayers. We've looked at the prayers of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. Then we looked at the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Colossians in chapter 1. And this morning we are going to look at the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Christians in the church at Philippi. And I've entitled this message, Praying for Mature Love. It's important that we place that adjective there because love is such a word that is used so loosely in the day and age in which we live. But as disciples and as kingdom people, God is wanting to grow in us a mature love. And we're going to read about that love in chapter 1. And I invite you to turn with me to that uh, letter of Paul to the Philippians. And we're going to read, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 9 through 11 together. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And may God add his rich blessing to the reading of his word. Now, for the sake of context, it's important uh, for us to better understand what Paul had by way of relationship with these beautiful Christians in Philippi. We really need to back up into the chapter where we see in chapter 1, first of all, in verse 3, Paul's deep affection for the Philippian Christians as it's revealed first in verse 3 where he says, I have you in my mind. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 7, he says, I have you in my heart. And finally, in verse 9, he says, I have you in my prayers. And as we look more closely to this passage this morning, we're going to see that this prayer that Paul begins in verse 9 that we've read as our text actually begins in verse 3. But somehow, as it seems, often happens with the apostles, they get sidetracked, uh, but it's a good sidetrack always. And then finally they get back to where they started. So where Paul started in verse three is thanking God for the Philippian Christians. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I think that is really, really special. And when we can say that about a person, we are really saying something special. And wouldn't it be wonderful if 
The first thing that entered a person's mind when they thought of us would be thanksgiving to God. May God cause us to live that kind of life that would evoke that kind of response in the hearts of other people. So Paul then continues in verse 4 by telling them, he prays for them, not with a heavy heart, not with a heart that is burdened because these Philippian Christians really, really need God. No, he prays for them with a rejoicing heart. Another, full, another wonderful way that we, we could hope and pray that people pray for us as well. That we're not so far from God or there's nothing so out of alignment with our lives that they pray with a heavy heart. But they pray with joy because they know we're walking with God, but they just want to see us go deeper because there's always a deeper place to go in God. So Paul says, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy. Well, what exactly is it that Paul was rejoicing in? He was rejoicing in verse 5, their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, the Philippian Christians, I believe more than any other New Testament church, had this very special connection with the Apostle Paul. Their hearts were knit together in such a close, precious, precious way that from the very first day, you ever meet a person and the first time you meet them, there's just a connection? When it's a God connection, those connections will grow and become more blessed and more precious. And so it was the case with the Apostle Paul. And so he expresses uh, that in verses 7 and 8 where he says, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about you. And then in verse 8, I yearn for you. Do you have those kind of friendships where, where you just hold someone in such high esteem and you yearn for the opportunity to be with them because when you're with them, it's like being with God. They're so full of God. They're, they're so full of the word of God that it just, they're so full of the love of God that it just pours out from them and blesses your life in such a special way. But why was it that Paul felt this special connection with the Philippian Christians? It's clear that this church demonstrated really very special love and care for the Apostle Paul. And actually, that was his purpose for writing to them. Because they sent a gift by Epaphroditus and Paul wanted to express his appreciation to them. When the Apostle Paul was in the toughest places of his life, he could count on the Philippian Christians to stand with him. What a gift that is in the body of Christ. When we're in those difficult places, when we're going through the dark night of the soul, we know there are one or two or three, if you're really rich, people that you could turn to and say, stand in the gap with me. Help me get through this dark season. I know God is faithful. I know he will see me through, but I need someone to help and encourage me. 
And so it was with the Philippian Christians. And now part of his love back to them is praying this awesome prayer that we've read in our text this morning. He didn't pray that God would just make them rich, that God would bless them with Mercedes Benzes. You know, we always think in those terms that when God blesses, it's always material blessings. No, no, no. He didn't pray for healing if someone was sick, and surely we should do that, and it's important to do that. But I, I fear that often as kingdom people, sometimes we get so focused on those material, physical things that we forget that there is a higher calling that God is wanting to bring us to. And for the Apostle Paul, it certainly was that. He understood that there were deeper issues that needed to be addressed in the hearts and the lives of the Philippian Christians. Issues like the formation of Christ's character in our lives. And I submit to you today, my Christian friends, that there is nothing, nothing more important to us as people who call ourselves by the name of God, Christian, Christ. We are identifying ourselves with Christ. And if that is what we are doing, then of paramount importance to us should be that our lives should be the reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that our character comes into conformity with the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, yeah, we go through the storms of life. But have you ever noticed, as we look back over the years, we, we sang about it this morning. As we look back over the years, God was always faithful. We thought it would be the end. We thought, how will I ever survive this? But somehow, we survived. We got through it time and time and time again by his grace and his faithfulness. But I want to suggest this morning that real growth in Christ takes focus, it takes personal, personal initiative. The Apostle Paul said, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And if we're not going to work it out, God is not going to work it in. He said, I'll work it in when you begin to work it out. And if we want God to cooperate with us, we need to do what he is asking us to do by taking the initiative to allow God to do what he needs to do in our lives. Some of us have aspirations to be mighty men and women of God, but it doesn't happen by osmosis. It happens when we draw near to God and then his word says he will draw near to us. And so the Apostle Paul prayed not for material blessings, but rather that they would grow up into Christ. And if we're not going to do it God's way, then all we're going to do is grow up into religion. We're going to grow up into becoming Pharisees. We're going to grow up with some deception that if we go through the forms and the rituals that God is pleased with us, it's all a lie of Satan to make us comfortable in living the life that we want to live, the life of the soul, what I think, what I feel, what I want, being on the throne when we've not given Christ his rightful place as Lord over all. So how is Christ's likeness most evident? 
How do we really give proof that Christ is really uh, working in us and manifesting more and more of his character? The answer to that is simple. When God's love in our hearts increases and abounds more and more. You know, we already said that Philippian Christians had a lot of love in their hearts. But Paul wasn't content with just to pat them on the back and say, you are the most loving Christians I've ever met. He wasn't hesitant to pray that you don't understand. There's still more. You can never plumb the depths of what God wants to pour into your heart regarding his love. And it doesn't matter how much love you have in your heart. There's always room for more. That word abound means to exceed a fixed measure. It speaks of an abundance and overflowing. Yes, we can say that God's love is abiding in our hearts. But as we examine our lives today, can we in all honesty say that his love is actually overflowing in an abundant way? I love what Adam Clark said about this passage of scripture. Paul prayed that their love would be like a river perpetually fed with rain and fresh streams so that it continues to swell and increase until it fills all of its banks and floods the adjacent plains. Does our life mirror what Adam Clark was just speaking about? That's God's will. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. That's God's design. Now, when we speak about this love for God, there are really three aspects which I believe Paul, within his heart, was speaking of. First of all, that we must grow in our understanding of God's love for us. This is so fundamental, isn't it? And some of us are going to say, well, pastor, I, I, of course I know of course I understand God's love for me. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. But do we recall that we prayed one of the prayers and studied one of the prayers of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians that we never ever graduate from a complete understanding of the limits and the magnitude of the love of God? And when he prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 3, he prayed that they would be able somehow to plumb its depths, to scale its heights, to fathom its breadth, and to grasp its length. He says it's beyond knowing, and in this lifetime, we will never able, be able to comprehend the whole of it. But that doesn't mean that day by day, we cannot receive more and more. And there's nothing more important in our lives as believers that we are rooted and grounded in the understanding of God's unimaginable, unconditional, unfathomable love that he has for you and for me. Secondly, we need to grow in our love for Jesus. You know, the reality of our lives is that for many Christians, our love for Jesus was red hot when we first came to the cross, wasn't it? You remember that? Do you remember that time? 
when Jesus washed your sins away and you just couldn't contain yourself, you couldn't wait to open your Bible and read it, you couldn't wait to go into your prayer closet and pray, every time the doors of the church were open, you were here because you were so in love with Jesus. And don't tell me that's a foreign concept. Because when you fall in love with someone, you look for absolutely every single opportunity to be with them. And when the opportunity ends, you don't want it to end. You can't wait for the next opportunity. They're no sooner out the door, you're on the phone. Well, I miss you already. That's what love is like. But the relationship, that man is in love. But that's the relationship that God wants us to have with Jesus. He is our heavenly bridegroom. We are his bride. He wants to take us into his secret chambers and show us the depths of his love so that we could get absolutely lost in the wonder of his wonderful love and live our lives under the umbrella and under the banner of his precious love to us. But again, our love that was once red hot has cooled off and we hear the heartbreak of our heavenly bridegroom who says to his church, I have this against you, you've abandoned your first love. How easily do we abandon that amazing love? You know, when Jesus, before he went to the cross, he prayed in John 17 that he and his church would be one. And one, when we think of that, we often think of, yeah, God, Jesus wanted us to be in union with him. But when he speaks about that union, he's really talking about an intimacy that he wants to have with us. Listen to what he says in John 17 and verse 20. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you wrap your mind around that reality? that God loves you with the same love that he has for his son. And then he repeats that in verse 26. Jesus said, Father, I've declared your name that the love with which you loved me may be in them. You know, we often say Jesus came to die on the cross. That was the whole purpose of his coming, to die on the cross. And truly, it was the purpose. But what was the ultimate purpose? To reveal the love of the Father so that you and I, who were estranged from God, who were foreigners and outside of the grace and the mercy of God, we could be brought back into that relationship of not only oneness, but of intimacy with God. This is the revelation that we need to have capture our hearts so that we can again have that longing that is expressed in those beautiful lyrics that were written by Don Moen in this love chorus. Take me deeper, deeper in love with you. Jesus, hold me close in your embrace. Take me deeper, deeper than I've ever been before. I just want to love you more and more. How I long to be deeper in love. Is that your heart's cry today? And the reason that it's so critical that we increase with the revelation of this love of God 
is because if we don't have it, we will not be equipped to war against the onslaughts of the enemy. If we don't, if, if our anchor is not in the love of God, we really won't have the persuasion that the Apostle Paul spoke of in Romans 8, I am persuaded. And when he said that, it was a persuasion that was beyond any shadow of doubt, regardless of what the circumstances may be, regardless of how dire, how desperate, how evil, how dark, I am persuaded that nothing, no thing in heaven, on earth, on under the earth shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that bring an amen to anyone? That's what we have as believers. Sometimes we're going through a dark valley and we walk by faith because we believe what this word says, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. No man can pluck us out of his hand. We are secure in Christ and we are rooted and grounded in the love of God. Is this just about having a love fest? with God the Father and Jesus the Son through the Holy Spirit? If we think that it is, we're sadly mistaken. That's certainly what God wants to bring us into, but it's for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring praise to him. How do we bring praise to him? When he so radically changes and transforms us, he says, I want now your light to shine. I want your love to flow out to others. And it's specifically this that the Apostle Paul is praying for when he says in verse 9, I pray that your love would abound still more and more. So the Apostle Paul had heard a report that something was going on at the church at Philippi. It smacked of division and strife. And Paul said, I am not ignorant of Satan's devices. Because once the enemy finds a small crack to get into, he could wreak havoc in the body of Christ. And for that reason, how many churches have split, how many Christians have been offended and are no longer even serving the Lord. I believe it was a passion in the heart of the Apostle Paul, that above all else, I know he said, I, 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 I wish you, you could speak in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you. But then in chapter 13, he says, love is the greatest. As wonderful as a gift as tongues is, if we don't have love, we are as a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. And so he said the same prayer for the Thessalonian Christians. May the Lord make your love increase. I know you're loving, but I want to see that love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as our love does for you. I know that's a prayer that was written 2,000 years ago, but Christian friends, 
it is just as relevant and important and critical to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. And I believe if there is any message the church needs, the time is now that we need to be praying this prayer. Can we really get real this morning? Will anyone get offended if I get real this morning? My wife holds her breath when I start talking like that. But we've just come through a year, 2020, and now we're into 20 and 21, and it's still carrying over, when instead of God's love increasing more and more toward each other, I believe on so many levels it has sadly diminished more and more. We've allowed our partisan preferences to supersede our love and our allegiance to God and for one another. If you don't like the party that I like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. In fact, I, I know it's bad in the world, but it's especially grievous when it's in the church of Jesus Christ when there's vitriol and hatred for persons of opposing political parties. And it, it actually is so intense that it's sometimes palpable and it becomes such a poor witness to the world. Because Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. But somehow we've had this idea, if you don't align with my political preferences, then I just can't love you anymore. I can't have anything to do with you anymore. And people have even left churches. In fact, I once preached a message last year on aligning with kingdom principles, and I guess some people thought by my saying we should align with a platform that is more in line with God's word they thought that I loved Trump and I wanted Trump and I was supporting and promoting Trump. It had nothing to do with Trump. It had to do with what says the word of God. I can't support some a platform that says we kill babies and we believe in same-sex marriage and we're going to promote a socialist agenda. That's not founded on the word of God. And I'm saying this to say that some people took so much offense that they either walked out of the church or left the church. But I say this morning, if our hearts are right with God and we're praying this prayer, Lord, let your love increase and abound yet more and more. I could care less what anyone says about anything because my gaze is on Jesus and his love that is filling my heart and that love that is filling my heart spilling over to you regardless of how you feel toward me because sometimes we think we'll only dole out love to those who are doling it out to me. That's not the love that God is calling us to. God's love is a special kind of love and it's agape love. And I'm all over in my notes this morning, so forgive me if I seem a little disjointed. So you can relax. I'm, I'm over that point. I hope I haven't offended anyone. But I can't apologize for the word of God. I cannot apologize for the word of God. Christians are not acting like Christians today. 
We're not acting like kingdom people today when we arch our backs when somebody says something that doesn't agree with us. And then the, the election, uh, you know, was one thing, and then it was the pandemic, and some people wanted to have church, and other people said, don't dare open up church. I know when we announced we're going to start having services, someone wrote, Pastor, you're doing this too prematurely. Don't you understand this pandemic is still a serious thing? I want to say, since we opened up last Father's Day, we have not heard one report of anyone in our church family getting anything near COVID. And I believe that in the house of God, by the Spirit of God and the power of the blood of Jesus, there is divine protection. I'm not saying we're to live foolishly or not be cautious or careful, but I'm saying that as Christians, we've more than forfeited our faith. Our faith is in what the CDC says, not in what the Word of God says, that I am the Lord who heals all of your diseases. And when you dwell in Psalm 91, you are under the protection of the Almighty, and no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. Why is it so important that we pray this prayer? Is it something that is optional? No, indeed. This is a prayer that we are commanded to pray. You say, I don't see anywhere where Paul says it's a command, but do you remember what Jesus said? A new commandment I give you, love one another. And I want to suggest this morning, we are not going to be able to love one another until we get on our face before God and say, God, I can't love that person, but you can. So fill my heart with your love. And God will do that miracle if you're sincere with him. God will fill your heart with his love when you open up your heart to him. Secondly, if we are to be effective witnesses in this world, we must pray that our love increases yet more and more. Why? And I quoted it a moment ago, John 13 and 35, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Not if you sit in the same church together, but if you love one another. And if you're able to disagree agreeably and lovingly with one another. You know, our opinions really don't count. Our opinions don't matter to God. What matters to him is the posture of our hearts. And if we're so hell-bent on what we believe regarding certain social issues today, we've forsaken God's word. Because above everything else, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our mind. Some people have their minds more muddled with politics than they have with the word of God. Because when our minds are filled with the word of God, the truth of God, the love of God, that love is going to spill out to others and it will be a witness to the world. You know, the early church, they were a dynamic witness for Christ. Tertullian, who was uh, a church historian from the first century, he wrote this. This was not written in the Bible. This was written in the history books of the first century. These Christians are strange people. I guess that comes as no surprise, right? <laughs> they speak of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. Yeah, that's a wow, isn't it? And maybe it's an ouch, too. 
Because are we looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? But listen to what he says, and oh, how they love him and how they love one another. How they love him. Those who are on the outside observing Christians on the inside, they saw what? Miracles? Maybe, yes. But what really impacted their lives, what really touches the depth of our heart is love because we were made to love and be loved and experience loved. And when we experience it, our hearts are touched, our hearts are warmed, our hearts are changed. There's nothing that will bring a person to salvation more than understanding the love of God. Would an outside observer today be able to report that about High Street Worship Center? Oh, how they love Jesus and how they love one another. The third reason we need to observe this principle and pray this prayer is that there is a law of spiritual entropy that is always at work in our lives. Do we understand what entropy is? Entropy is a gradual decline into disorder. It's a law of life. You could straighten out your drawers and your closets. Six months later, you're thinking, what bomb exploded in here? Didn't I just straighten all of this out? And you've got to do it all over again. It's entropy. It works in the natural, but I want you to know it also works in the spiritual. Because we could come to church, get filled with God, walk out of this door, and on Monday morning, we're all leaked out. And that's why the word of God says in Ephesians 5 and 18 that we are to be being filled. It is a continuous need in our life to have God constantly filling us with his spirit because the, the flesh and the carnal nature and the world is warring against our spirit man causing us to leak out what is of God so we need the infilling of God's spirit of God's love to come into us on a constant and in a perennial basis and fourthly and finally Jesus says to be forewarned is to be forearmed because he said in the last days the love of many will wax cold if that is not our reality today i don't know what is there was an old saint in the uh, church that i grew up in she said jesus said in the last days the love of many shall wax cold but i believe it's in a deep freeze if our love is not increasing and abounding, it's moving in an opposite direction of growing colder and colder. And while the world is filled with so much hatred and vitriol and anger and angst and animosity and hostility, we as people of God need to live our lives with the opposite spirit. What is diametrically opposed to all of that darkness and ugliness? It's the love of God. And it's the love of God that he wants to pour into us so that we might pour it into others.
It's important for us to notice that when Paul is speaking about this love to be increasing, he's not praying that their love would just increase beyond the walls of this church. <laughs> because Paul recognized sometimes it's easier to love those outside of the church. You don't know them. You don't know their faults. So we could just real sanctimoniously say, oh, I love the sinners in the world. Oh, Jesus, I love them so much. Save them. Reminds me of the old ditty, to dwell above with saints we love. Oh, that will be glory, but to dwell below with saints we know. Well, that's another story. And a lot of us can say amen to that, huh? So this morning, as we bring this message to a close, I want us to focus on the kind of love that God is calling us to. It's not that kind of superficial love. Many of us are really good at that. We put on a big smile and we give a great big hug, bear hug sometime. But the love that God is calling us to is not that filio love, that brotherly love. He's calling us to agape love. You know what agape love is? Agape love is God's love, it's selfless love, it's sacrificial love, it's unconditional love. The theologians call it, it's disinterested benevolence. You know what disinterested benevolence is? It's, it's depicting God's love. God poured out his love, expecting, requiring nothing in return. How did God love us? And while we were yet sinners, when we were still dead in our trespasses, how can a dead person contribute anything back to God? But when we experience, God, how can you love me after all of the sin, after all of the shameful things that I've done in my life, after how I've hated you and I've rebelled against you and I've turned every which way against you and to dishonor you and to displease you. And then we look to the cross and see Jesus hanging there and saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's agape love. And he says, that's the kind of love I want you to show. It's the love that the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Why, why do we only read this on Valentine's Day? All of us as believers need to read it every day of our lives. So as we pray, Lord, let your love increase and abound yet more and more. You know what we really need to be praying? Lord, I'm not patient enough. I'm not kind enough. Because agape love is patient and kind. Lord, I'm jealous. So forgive me for being jealous and take that jealousy away. Take that pride away. Take that boastfulness away. Take that arrogance and that rudeness away. Take that selfishness where I demand having my own way. Make me selfless, filled with the love of God. Help me not to be irritable. Help me not to keep my little black book of records that are wrongs against me. Help me not to rejoice when injustice takes place. Help me not to rejoice when I see my enemy fall into a bad way. The love of God pours out love selflessly, graciously, freely, 
unconditionally. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always helpful, and it endures through all circumstances. Can we open up our hearts this morning? Stephen's going to come to lead us in a closing chorus. But I want us to open up our hearts today and say, God, will you come in? Will you come in and cause your love to so fill me, to so saturate my life that that love will increase and abound yet more and more? You know, this, this love is the love that Jesus spoke about when he taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. This Jew was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And there was a Levite who just walked on by. There was another Pharisee that shook his head, walked on by. But then this enemy of the Jew, a Samaritan, they hated each other. They despised each other. What did he do? He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. He put that broken, beaten man on his own animal, brought him to an inn, cared for him, and when he had to leave him, he paid the innkeeper. And he said, please take care of him. I'll pay you whatever else I owe you when I return. See, that's love that is increasing and abounding. It's just not smacking someone on the shoulder, but it's finding that person in need and doing something that is going to cost you something, cost you your time, cost you your resources, cost you your energy, but it's the love of God. He gave his all. He sent Jesus to die on that cross. What are we willing to give this morning in demonstrating the love of God? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as Stephen leads us in this closing chorus and ask God to cause us to increase in love more and more.